listening to Life Change Church in Muskegon. You can join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 or catch us on Facebook Live. Well, good morning. Well, this morning you may have uh, drove by. In fact, if you parked in the back, which most of you probably did, you've probably seen that red truck with a plow on it. It's not because I want snow. (laughs) Um, this morning as I drove in the uh, church and checked things out, I saw this, uh, the, the, the whole back parking lot was flooded. And there was like about an inch and a half of water sitting there. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's no way in the world people are going to want to get out of their cars and step in an inch, inch and a half of water. So I ran back to the, um, the house and put my plow in my old plow truck and pushed water off the driveway, and this is a, this is the second time I, I've done that. But it really um, is kind of, if you if you will, it's kind of the whole point of being a Christian. You know, being a Christian is helping others get in the space of His presence. What does it take? You know, and um, I've shared this with my staff, and I've shared this with the elders. Um, our job as a parent or in the ministries is to prepare a space where God can work. That's the whole point. Is in whether it's a service like this, or whether it's um, maybe it's out there at the beach and you're just talking to your kids and sitting down, and, or maybe it's camping or whatever it be, it's creating or preparing a place where God can work. And if you could put up Haggai chapter one, the, the word I wanna give to you and share with you today is uh, from an old prophet, and maybe give, give you a little bit of history on this, is that uh, what's happened is the people of God have come into a space where they've become despondent, uh, they've just gotten, you know, uh, the temple has just been not being built, it's being lacked, the space of labor and of giving, and what's gone on is that people have just kind of moved on into their own little worlds. In fact, even to the point where there, um, God speaks in the, in the, to the prophet Haggai, he says, you guys are all about building your own lives and building your own, your own homes, but my house lacks the space of service. And so I, I want to share with you that I believe that we're in, history is the way, I believe we're in that same hour of life. I believe that if you were to look and if you were to get, you know, we could get probably 10,000 pastors here and they'd all have one common thread. In fact, there's never been a time where pastors are quitting at such an unprecedented rate than right now. They're just discouraged and they're disillusioned. Churches are not even half full like they used to be. Um, people aren't giving, people aren't serving. It's hard to get people to work in the children's ministry, the youth ministry. It's hard to get people to do any, any kind of service toward Jesus. Um, and in, and in a lot of times when you speak the truth or you speak from the word of God, people are getting in that space where they're offended and the truth should set us free, but they're offended with the truth. And the Bible says that be, these would be perilous times. And in Haggai, it talks about what God did as he moved on the hearts of God's people by speaking a, speaking a truth. And so I'm going to read this passage, Haggai chapter one, verse nine, you hope for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine homes. 
It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, and Jeshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord, their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Today, um, we live in a space where, in fact, I was just sharing this with one of the elders this morning. People, um, we're, 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 we have a culture that we want to be liked. We want to be accepted. Um, everything is, is, is spun in the space of not truth, but so that somebody, you know, that, that you'll like me or that you'll be, or you'll be liked. And yet, um, the Bible is full of phrases and, and statements, Jesus himself being the, the, obviously the prophet of most of them, and speaking truths that were cut to the heart that bring about a change of life. That, that's the whole point, right? Is that, we, that God's not trying to make an easier life on earth. He's trying to prepare us for a life in heaven. And that in heaven... It's much different. The Bible says that my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are definitely different than your thoughts. So how in the world is God going to get us on the same page of thought as if he can help us not to be so attached to the things of this world, but to be longing for the things that are not of this world? And sad to say, it seems like the only way that we let go of things in this world is that when crisis happens or some scenario. In fact, the Bible, you know, being a written record of God's heart toward his people, many times you see that God is giving, 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 and then all of a sudden the space, when all of a sudden they were receiving from God through all this gift, and all of a sudden they wandered away from God, and then all of a sudden a crisis would happen, and then they come back to God. That seems to be the, the, the predominant, you know, storyline over and over and over again. That's not what God wants. God's a giver. That's who God is. He's a lover. But yet so many times we're not, not receiving the gift or receiving the love because we have our own, we have all of this drama and all of this culture of this world attached to it. And so in Haggai, God has what we call a reboot. Now, I don't know about you, but um, my phone has to be rebooted once in a while because all of a sudden it starts doing its own thing. You know, it says it's a smartphone. All of a sudden, my smartphone just kind of lost its way. I think sometimes I'm like the smartphone to God. All of a sudden, I lose my way. And so God has to have a space where he has to reboot. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, there's a reboot. And, uh, you know, so um, and what the Bible is full of is reboots. It's over and over. God's going, I mean, you, you can't even get in the first six chapters of the Bible and you realize how many times God has rebooted the crazy planet. It's not because God wanted a flood to come. It's not God, because God wanted hardships to come. None of this stuff's going to be in heaven. No floods, no hardships, none of that's in heaven. But it's because we're so attached to the things of this world that all of a sudden, when all of a sudden truth comes it and God says, I want you to do this, we won't do it because we're more attached to the world. So God's going over there systematically trying to get us to detach to the claws that this world has in our lives so that we would fully obey him. 
Amen? And so, um, in fact, uh, I, don't really, I don't really have time to go into this, but, you know, the Bible says that Lucifer was ruling and reigning on, on this crazy planet, you know, way before Adam and Eve. And the, the claws of this world were in him. In fact, it says because of the prophets and the merchandising that was going on in the space of his time, pride was lifted up. Don't we see that? When people have a lot of money and a lot of things and everything else. And I mean, I, I've seen people that have a lot of money and things that really love God and love to give. But then I see a lot of people that have so many riches and stuff and they just, they're full of pride. It's because that's the system of this world. And, and once it's claws get inside of you, that the cares of the world, the Bible says, choke out the promises of God. And so today's thought on giving is this, for God so loved the world that he gave. And what happens, what's happened to us in this time of crisis, this time of, you say, crazy fear and COVID and all the other things that are going on in our world today, are we mindful of what God says? Are we mindful of what the world says? I was, uh, took a couple minutes with a, a man of God that's in our church family, he's an elderly man. He says, what's God speaking to you right now? And I says, he's speaking to me about waiting on him. And you know, that is just not something that anybody, you tell me one person that wants to wait a long time for food. Tell me one person that wants to wait a long time for their paycheck. No, we, we're a culture that doesn't want to wait for anything. And yet God says he, he's the complete opposite. Everyone in the word is waiting on the promise. In fact, we're studying Abraham, and the whole point is Abraham waiting for God to fulfill his promise through his life. So in, in giving today, I want you to be thinking, our about this. Is the house of the Lord, by the way, that's you, the temple, your God's house. In the Old Testament, it was a building. In that building, God was creating a taste for his presence, sight, what it looked like. So there was feelings that were having, there was touch, you could, there was things that you could touch, the altar. There was a, a, a smell, a presence of God, an aroma that God had, the fragrance that he had. There was a drum beat. The musicians were going, so there's here. All of the senses were trained for God in the temple. Now you are God's temple. Are you trained for his presence? You, are you learning to smell and taste and feel and touch and hear the space of his presence, that's what God is longing for. Because let me tell you something, there's, you know what, there's going to be a time, very soon I believe, where the Antichrist rises up. And are we going to, are, are all of our senses going to go to this very wise man who's going to lead astray? The Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Are we going to be led astray? Are we going to know and be so solid in our God that's not God's voice. I know God's voice. He doesn't intimidate. He doesn't work through fear. He doesn't work through shame and guilt. He doesn't work through hate and maliciousness. He doesn't manipulate. These are all things of the devil. 
But yet, if you think about it, the world is trained by every one of those things I just shared about. Most of us are led by manipulation, maliciousness, hate, fear, worry. We're led by all the things the enemy tries to build a culture. But yet, there's a temple of God that God's trying to raise. There's six words that you passed by before you came in this building. Grow in God, love, reach the world, worship, serve, and lead. Those are the six things that this church is trying to help you personally, your temple experience have so that you personally could recognize and lead others in the world so that they could have a temple experience with Jesus too. So when you're giving today, I want you to be thinking, what, am, what is my life willing to be offered? In fact, in, in the you version. The scripture is found in Romans. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. Father, I pray that our lives, our giving, our worship, our serving, every aspect of who we are would be offered unto you, pleasing unto you. May the things that this world, the trials, the joys, all the things of this world, as your word says, may they grow strangely dim in view. And may you become even larger view that we might worship you first in our giving, our serving, our loving, our reaching, our leading in every aspect of us. May our lives be truly a temple of the space of your presence. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, be blessed in your giving today. I know that I, I forgot to do it in the first service, and like a creature of habit, I forgot to do it in the second service already. If you are a guest in our service today, um, I know that we have a little um, thing we want to reach you. Be our guest. In fact, one of the guests that we had in our church this morning already, you know what? They came to know Jesus for the first time, accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? So um, that's, to me, that's, that's why it's so worth to, to fly back to my house and put a plow in the front of my truck. You know, if we can create a space for somebody that's our guest so that they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's certainly worth it. And that's why we have children's ministry. That's why tonight at 6 o'clock we're going to have youth ministry. We are trying to create environments where God can do his wonderful work. All right, if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is our passage, and we're going through this series. It's basically the journey of faith, the journey of faith. And I, I love the um, testimony that Juan just gave to us just a, a few moments ago and saying that he had been in this space of pain for six months, a backache. And then he finally, the Lord's promise, the Lord's truth rises up inside of me. He goes, why am I living? Because I guarantee that Juan's praying about it. I guarantee that Juan is thinking about it. I probably had him and his wife praying about it. But something in his life, you know, this back pain comes in his face, and it just seemed to be it's overcoming, and he's just not seeming to get victory. So he comes to an elder meeting on a Monday night, last week Monday night, and gets prayed for. And we pray over him. And you know what? Tuesday morning, he's healed. He hasn't had a, you know, a symptom since because God is a God who answers his promises to our lives. Amen? That's who God is. And so today as we talk about acknowledgement, what we're acknowledging is promises. 
You know, when, uh, one of the, the best days of my life was walking, you know, having my wife walk down the aisle. And I'm at the end of the aisle, and I get to acknowledge that, you know, that Brenda becomes, you know, the, the love of my life here on earth. And that moment, I have to go over there and I make these promises. Now, maybe you're here today and you had that hope and maybe you've had that joy in your life and maybe that, you know what, maybe they've been broken. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you something right now is that, you know, in this life, I've realized that a lot of people have broken promises in life. I know that I have, in the space of time, had had broken promises. But there is somebody, you know what, his name is Jesus, that will never break a promise. He will never, he will always be faithful to fulfill his love, his faith, and his hope in your life. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how powerful the journey is in your walk. The journey of faith. Not just the journey of being saved. Yes, that's part of your journey. But inside of that salvation are treasures forevermore. You know, one thing I have learned is this, is that you will never exhaust the treasure box of Jesus. When I think of Christianity, if you were to ask me and say, if you could sit down and, and ask me, what is Christianity to you? i go, it's a, it's, it's a treasure box. I go, well, you mean, you say, well, explain. Well, to me, you know, if, if I was given a treasure box, I would love to explore what's inside the box. And so I'd want to make sure that the box is open. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. He opens up things to my life. And then all of a sudden, my eyes become open and say, wow, inside of salvation is healing. Wow, Juan just received that part of it. Wow, inside of that treasure box is hope. Hope when things around me are so hopeless. And they, if it, recently I had somebody go, Pastor Ron, during those, those, that, that really rough year of COVID, says, thank you for being the leader that you were, that you stayed the course, that you know, no matter what, that even though everything in the world was just going crazy this way, that you just stayed in step. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. I, I just know that God is faithful. God is strong. God is faith, hope, and love. I have no idea what tomorrow is, but I know that God is going to be there with me. Amen? And so I need to get, stay in step. Here, what's inside of that? Hope. What's inside of that? It's peace. What's inside of that is love. What's inside of that treasure is courage. What's inside of that promise is something where, where I've seen broken promises. And that God says, I'll be faithful. I will be faithful. What's inside of that box is strength that's not of this world. When people are shooting arrows at me and accusations at me, all of a sudden what's inside of that treasure box is strength to love them that hate me. To pray for them that persecute me. I can't do that because in this world, I want to persecute them back. I want to, you know what, I want to be malicious back. I want to be angry back. But yet inside of this salvation box is strength that's not of this world. It's kingdom thinking. And all of a sudden, that's all inside. And yet what I find is so many Christians, they don't explore the treasure box. And that's what I want to help others be, is, is if I could, is, is to be a leader, as a shepherd, to help you realize that you will never, ever exhaust that treasure box. Just when you all of a sudden think, oh my goodness, God, I've just experienced another thing in the treasure box. God goes, I got another thing for you. I got another thing for you. That's the journey of faith. Now, the thing is, is that once you get that treasure inside, 
Now it's hard to hold on to it. Because let me tell you something. The, the Bible says, he told Adam and Eve, tend and keep. There is an a, a advocate and there's also an enemy. Your advocate is Jesus, but the enemy wants to steal the things that are in your life. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your children. He wants to steal your health. He wants to kill you. The Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came here to give you life and that life more abundantly. So if that's what the promise is, why in the world am I not experiencing that? Why am I not? Because you, have, you, you realize that you have an enemy that wants to take you out. You have a real enemy. Whether you want, and you can't just ignore your enemy. You can't just suppress your enemy. You can't just, you get to that place where you're passive about your enemy. Because let me tell you, that's what Satan, that's what Satan and Adam did, and it didn't work for him. I love what Jesus did to the enemy. He put him in his place. And if Jesus put the enemy in his place, that's your job. And so we're going to talk about today about the, the journey. The first thing we talked about last week was doubt. Now you have promises in front of you. Maybe that's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's occupational. Maybe it's like my son who was dealing with flood in his house last night. You know, maybe it's financial, whatever it could be. You, you will face trials and persecution in this world. You can try to find answers from this world to fight what's going on in this world, or you can look into the treasure chest of God and find things that are not of this world. For instance, having elders pray over you over your back. That's not of this world. We could try to heal that many different ways. But what I believe is that in the space of our trials, the journey that we have is, number one, doubt is hanging between two opinions. I don't know where you're at. Are you hanging between two opinions? Because the Bible calls that doubt. I don't call that doubt. God says that. And God says the first, and we talked about this last week, the first step in the journey of faith is to walk away from doubt. So if you're hanging between two opinions, the first thing you need to do is aim yourself and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get there. All I know is you promised it. I'm taking a step away from this world and everything it's trying to tie me to. That's your first step. Okay? Romans 4, let's read 17 through 24. And I want to share with you about Abraham's journey, okay? Abraham's journey. 17. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. It can't get worse than that. It's all, you know what? I don't know what you're going through. But this says right now, it's dead. Maybe you feel that about your relationship. Maybe you feel that about a scenario with your workplace. God who calls things that are dead back to life. Creates new things out of nothing. Verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. 
And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit to assure us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. So if we can just look at point number one. Acknowledging God's presence in his promise is the next step in the journey of faith. So the first thing is taking a step away from doubt, caught between two opinions, hanging there. I'm, taking, I'm, I'm walking away from doubt, okay? Walking away from it. And then stepping toward acknowledgement means the presence of his promise. Now, the best way I can explain that is personally my experience. At 40 years old, I was diagnosed with arthritis. That was 20 years ago. And so the presence of pain was in my life. How did I, you know, in, that, in fact, so what happened is that pain that was very much in my ankle and uh, my wife went to the doctor because I, I, I'm not a big, don't, don't go to the doctor much. And so my wife went to the doctor, asked a question, says, well, you're, 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 uh, your husband's been through a lot of sports energy, um, uh, you know, accidents and things, and he's been in a lot of, been in a lot of accidents. And uh, so he says, he has arthritis. So the diagnosis there was arthritis. Now, can I just tell you something? When my wife came back from the doctor, I didn't tell us in the first service. When my wife said the word arthritis, there was so much power that came through that word, I struggled to fight it back. Don't, you know, when I know when Pastor Dwayne had come here a couple weeks ago and he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I felt the power of arthritis trying to fight its way, coming to, to possess the space of my body. You say, Pastor, that sounds really weird. Well, I could just explain it for what it was like. So I realized that, you know what, God? I'm 40 years old, and um, this isn't in the treasure chest from you. Your treasure chest doesn't have arthritis inside of it, so that doesn't belong. So your promise says that I'm going to be wax stronger. Now, am I going to go through struggles in this life? Absolutely. But you know what I love? God says, you will suffer persecution, but know that I've overcome this world. Jesus said that. If Jesus has overcome the world, all I got to do is step into his treasure box and recognize what he's overcome, he's overcome for me. So what happened is, is I was in pain every single morning. The symptoms and the pain were very much in the ankles. And I said, here's what I've learned about with God's promises. Just like he did with Moses, grab the staff. Just like he did with, you know, with Jonas, just go out there and preach. Walk it out there. Everything God wants you to do is there's a walk, a journey of your faith. You are not to sit on your butt and say, well, God's got this. He's going to take care of all that. No, God's going to get you involved in the journey. You are going to walk this out. The Bible says you're going to walk it out in faith. So what you got to do is hear what God is speaking to you. I'll never forget when my wife was dealing with headache. And God gave her a scripture in Malachi. And the scripture, he says, you shall be led out by like fatted stall calves. I'm like, I'm going to tell you something right now. That means nothing to me. You said stall fatted calves. And I'm like, what's that? 
But my wife, who grew up more in a farm situation, she knew the power of what that calf had. She knew the energy that that calf had would come out of that stall, leaping and bouncing and everything else. And she was sitting and hung over with these headaches, couldn't hardly even function. So she goes, I am not living in the freedom like that calf is living. And God said that that's my promise. That's what God made her alive with. Now for me, it was different. By his stripes, ye are healed. I didn't get the stall fed the calf thing. All right, by your stripes, I am healed. So I'm speaking by his stripes, I am healed. They're both truths, they're both promises. They're both in the treasure chest. God is speaking his life, but what God is, let me tell you something, the promise needs to possess you. It doesn't just need to be a word inside of you. When the power of God, let me put it this way, the promise of Mary becoming pregnant became to possess her. She says, may it be so, even as you had said. She said, I will possess her. And she became pregnant with the Holy Spirit, though no man had ever touched her. That's what promises are supposed to happen in our lives. Though we've never been touched by man, we can be possessed by a promise of God. And all of a sudden, she birthed that promise. His name was Jesus, that's the most beautiful. Talk about a treasure chest. Talk about miraculous. That's how God wants to do. But it starts with a journey. Mary didn't go, you know what? I'm going to hang here. I've never been with a man. I'm, I'm betrothed to a man. I've never been touched by a man. I've never been in bed with a man. I'm not, you know what? I don't know if that can really happen. Maybe it could happen. I don't know. She goes, no, I'm taking a step away from doubt. Even as you have said, her journey was taking a step away from doubt, and she acknowledged, everybody say acknowledge. She acknowledged the promise. The next step in the journey of faith is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. The Bible says it's important for us. Acknowledge God in all your ways, and he'll direct your path. You struggling with God's direction? Then you, you know what I'll tell you? You're struggling with your acknowledgements. If you're struggling with God's direction in your life, then you're struggling with acknowledgement. Number one, acknowledge God's presence and his promise is the next step in the journey of faith. Number two, the first step away from doubt and acknowledging the Lord starts with accepting Jesus Lord. Maybe you're watching this right now. Maybe you're in this sanctuary right now and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord. I would like you to put up 1 John 4 verse 15 in the Amplified Translation. 1 John 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides continually in him. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. What does that tell us? That we can have, through acknowledgement, we can have the presence of knowing that we're with God and he's with us. We can we can. Have his presence living. If you're here today, or you're even watching right now online, and you don't understand the presence of God in your life, that's the whole point of Christianity. 
We're not following some religious creed. We're not following some, from some works to do something that we, so it can make us right with God. We're accepting Jesus as our personal Savior so the space of his presence, of his Holy Spirit, can live and abide in our life. That we can have full assurance that all the world could be just going to hell, literally. But we have a hope that's not of this world. And we know that in the end, maybe right now it's going, it's, it's really rough going, but we know in the end that we win. Amen? We can have that. If you don't have that acknowledgement, man, you're missing the whole point of Christianity. That's the whole point of the space of his presence in your life. Number three, acknowledgement is more than a phrase or a quote from the Bible. Acknowledgement is where the promise in the Bible becomes your obsession. John 15, 7 through 8, I want to read it amplified up there. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. What does that mean? God wants his promise to bear fruit, which means to possess your very being. Mary became pregnant with truth. Impossible of this world, but became pregnant with truth. We know him to be Jesus. God wants us to be pregnant with a promise. So 20 years ago, after arthritis tried to own my day, how many realize, when, you know, if anybody knows anybody that's ever had a struggle with arthritis, the mornings are really tough because you've laid in bed and you've just kind of not moved around and the loss of your blood flow moving around and it's just all of a sudden you wake up and it's pain. Well, the first thing that I do, my arthritis or the word it was, was it was trying to find its place in my ankles. Don't, I don't know why, it didn't matter why. Point of it is, that's where it was. And God, I said, God, as I was searching in the treasure chest of healing, that Jesus is my healer, by his stripes I am healed. God says, what I want you to do, your part in this, God will always ask you to be part of the journey. He always will ask you to be part of the journey. My part was this, he goes, I want you to wake up early in the morning and I want you to work out on your legs and I want you to work on your ankles. And I, I, I said, Lord, I don't think you get this. It hurts down there. And what God had asked me to do is get up early in the morning, walk downstairs. Now, are you guys getting this? Where's the pain? In my ankles. So I want you to get up early in the morning, walk down, and all the symptoms were flaring. And you know what symptoms do? They talk to you. They make you feel like you're ridiculous. They try to lie to you and try to get you filled with doubt. God's not answering your prayers. God's not part of this. This promise isn't for you. You know, all of these things. And yet I'm holding, I'm being obsessed over this word. By his stripes, I am healed. So for week after week, month after month, I'm walking downstairs. Now, I don't know if it was the eighth, nine month. I wasn't putting on my calendar. I know some of you guys are way more administrative than I am. You know, marking your calendars. I wasn't doing that. I was just obeying God, waking up early in the morning, working out what God had told me to do. And all of a sudden, one morning, no pain. Gone. I mean, the morning before, 
excruciating pain. Like it feels like little needles going in through you. And all of a sudden, none. And for 20 years, I have lived without pain. Amen? I remember, it was about 10 years later, and I only had symptoms in one ankle. It was the right ankle. 10 years later, I woke up early in the morning, and symptoms flared in my left ankle. And I started laughing. You say, what do you mean you laugh? I says, I laughed. I says, devil, you forgot which ankle it was even in. I said, no, that's not going to happen. And I kid you not, God wants us to be possessed with promise. The Bible says, and I, I'm trying to help you with truths here. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know what God wants? He wants his promises to be in your flesh, to be in your marriage, to be in your children, to be in your health, to be in your workplace, to be on your tongue, to be in your thoughts. That's what these things, to acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. That's what God longs for in our life. Number four, acknowledgement will start in the space of thoughts expressed and can, if held on to, become confessions of the heart. By the way, God listens to the, can I say it with me? Wow. God listens to the, he's not concerned what's going on in your head. That's your job. That's your job. The Bible says renew your mind. That's your job. It's not God's job to fix what's going on in your head. That's your job. God's concerned about what's going on in your heart. Now, here's the thing. The journey is getting away from the doubt, one step, tossed to and fro, hanging between two opinions. Sometimes it's not just two opinions today. It's probably 20 opinions, right? But getting away and just having one, I'm going to be obsessed with God's promise. The second one is I'm going to acknowledge God. By his stripes, I am healed. God says that he teach these hands. Maybe you're struggling with your finances. He says he teach these hands to make wealth. Maybe, I don't know what it is that God's asking, but God, is, God wants his promises to be alive and you're hanging on and you're stepping towards this journey and you're acknowledging, God, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but you said you teach these hands to make wealth. I don't know what you're gonna do, but I know that you're gonna do it because that's who you are. And I get away from them. I was never trained that way. I never went to school for that. God goes, get rid of the opinions. Get rid of the world. I will teach you teach you and your hands to do this. And God has done this. This It's something I've actually held on to. God will walk you in this journey of faith to the point where all of a sudden it comes from here. The longest journey you'll ever have is from here to here. The 12-inch journey of faith is the longest journey. Let me tell you something. It took Abraham 24 years to get from here to here. 24 years to get from here to here. He questioned God. He was scared of his wife's beauty. He thought he had a servant. Well, I'm gonna, you know what? Maybe that's what God's plan is. He doubted. He had, he tossed between a different opinions. He went through, you know, all these altar moments. And then all of a sudden, in fact, I love it, Romans 4, 17, in a couple weeks when we get there, he became fully convinced. You don't have faith until you are fully convinced. You're on a journey to get there. 
You're on a journey to get there. That's the whole point of Christianity. God wants that promise to be so alive inside of you that you are, say it with me, fully convinced. That's where Abraham says, he didn't consider what's in his body. How many of us consider what's going on in our body? The Bible says he didn't consider what's going on in his body. He had hope that was against all hope. There was nothing that, that this world had. There was no hope that he could grab onto it. He grew stronger in his faith to become fully convinced. Next week we're going to be talking about how do we get to that point where we don't consider what's going on in our body? How do we get to the point where we don't consider? I had to go over there and not consider the pain that was in my body here when there was truth of God's healing going on here. Am I going to allow what's going on in my ankle to be bigger than what God's truth is inside of my heart? Number five, acknowledging is stepping in the journey of faith in your words. Many will speak after the miracle, but not in front of it. Many of us will go, we'll, we'll speak about something after the activity, but not before. I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to read verse 15, verse 5, I'm sorry, through 13. Two examples that Jesus talks about people who spoke before it happened. Before it happened. Many of us will speak after it happens. God says, my ways is to speak it into existence. Matthew 8, verse 5, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed, terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am underneath the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Verse 10, and when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he says, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen this faith like this in all Israel. What does that faith look like? And I tell you that this many Gentiles will come all over the world, east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the Feast of the Kingdom. But many Israelites, those from whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. He acknowledged that the healing was going on in his servant before he seen it. He acknowledged God's promise before he felt it. He acknowledged God's plan before it was, you know what, was going to materialize. He didn't need to see it with these eyes. He believed it with these eyes. That's faith. Give me the eyes of understanding. I might follow you. Next verse, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along beside him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus said, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. We do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened, and they could see Jesus sternly warn them, don't tell anyone else. So what do we see in this point? Did they believe after they saw, or did they believe before they saw? They believed before. Faith cometh by hearing from the hearing of the word of God. Faith calls things that be not as though they are. Faith is alive. 
Now, um, I shared a, a little bit, you guys, with the, we have this little garden right now. And you know what's amazing is that we, we're very newbies to this stuff. And uh, because we're newbies, um, uh, we're not very uh, successful, okay? One of the things is that in where we live currently right now, there's so much shade. It's kind of nice when it's hot summer, but let me realize that, how many realize you need the sun to make plants grow, right? You know, do you think, have you ever thought about that with Jesus? He's the son of God, and you really need the son of God to grow, and so we kind of miss that point. And so we put these little seeds in the ground and, and they're very shaded. And so the growth is very stunted. It's just not, I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to, let me put it this way. We need to go to the store to get fruit and we need to get the vegetables, all right? But we learn from it. And the point of it is, it's been, a, 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 I would say, kind of a great picture, a great learning lesson. But the point I would say out of this is going, wow, look at nature and what it tells us. The sun, in fact, if, in fact, we were looking at these, our corn is like, like that. It looks so withered. Even put it away, we're not gonna have any, we're, we're not gonna eat corn at all this year, right? So, point of it is, we, we were, uh, my wife and I were in the car, and, and I don't remember what farm we were driving by, but the corn is all about like this. Oh, I, I know it was, by, we were by Fremont. We we're looking at corn like this. And I looked at my wife, I go, well, they know something we don't. And there, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a tree in the area. All of it was sun. Are you in the space underneath the presence of, of God's sun? Are you taking time every morning, every afternoon, evening? I love how Daniel, being a child of God, morning, noon, and night, got in the space of God's presence in his acknowledgement. Number six in closing, acknowledgement is stepping out with your actions. Stepping out with your actions. In closing, I share this with you. In your faith walk, God always gets you involved. You ever wonder why God said to Moses, he goes, look, Moses, you see that staff that's in your hand? That, that you know what? Uh, throw it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. That same staff that he says, raise it in the Red Sea parts. Do you know that some of us are waiting for a miracle? We're waiting for something to happen in our life and thinking that, you know, that, uh, you know when, when God brings it. You know what, right now, it's already in your life. Whatever you need, whatever God wants to bring, it's already there. If you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, what you need is already inside through your life. All you need to do is exercise what God gave you. Maybe it's a tear. Maybe it's a knee. Maybe it's searching out the scripture and promises. But I will share this with you right now, that if you're waiting for God to rain down something new in your life without you realizing you need to take a step in your walk, you're wrong. Moses had what it took. God used what was already in his hands. Because that's what our God is. God has already given you what you need so that you can win the battle that's in front of you. 
And most of us are just waiting for God to step in and win it for us. And God goes, no, we do this together. We do this together. I'm going to put my weapon. That's why the Bible says you're supposed to put on the whole armor of God. You're putting on Christ on your life. And so if you're here this morning, actually it's afternoon now, and you're in your inner battle, I get it. I'm in one myself. And you need to step in this journey and say, God, I need faith. God goes, all right, first thing you need to do is step away from doubt. God's your answer. Not the world. Not something that, you know, I've seen, you know, people that go through breakup in relationships, hurtful breakups. And right away they think that they got to get another woman or another man right away in their life to, to fill that need. I've seen it over and over. You need Jesus first. You need Jesus first. He needs to be your substance. I've seen the same thing when it comes down to, you know, people striving for, I, I just need to go and I, I need these pills to deal with my anxiety. Or I, I, I need, I just need, I need a break. I need a vacation. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the week after vacation, you face the same things you did before the vacation. Step in knowing that you acknowledge God to direct your steps. Step away from doubt. What are you acknowledging? Is God your hope? Is God your love? Is God your peace? Is God your strength? Has you, have you received forgiveness in your life, in your heart? Are you weighed down with the, the things? Maybe it's things that you've done and you struggle forgiving yourself. I'm going to tell you right now, you have no right to hold on to unforgiveness toward yourself when Jesus Christ paid the price to forgive it. Don't ever step in the front of God and hold on to unforgiveness toward yourself or toward someone else. If Jesus forgave that person, how much more should you now forgive that person? Even yourself. And be cleansed from the weight and the worry and the hurt of it. You're in a space if you don't have any peace and everything just seems to be so unrested and so broken and just so full of strife. You can have a peace that's not of this world. Jesus will come in the space of your presence if you invite him in. I don't know where you're at, what you're going through, but I know that Jesus has a promise for you. And that promise will become so alive. And here's the beauty of it. Do you realize the trial that God's going to overcome through your life? That all of a sudden the messiness of your life with Jesus becomes a message for somebody else's life? That's the whole point. God wants to make a message out of your life. He wants to touch somebody, have your life intersect somebody in the future because they don't have what you have. They don't see what you see. You have Jesus. They don't. And all of a sudden, your mess in Jesus becomes a message to their life, and they now can surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here this afternoon and you don't have that space where He 
is abiding in you. His love, his hope, his peace, his strength. That you don't have the literally fragrance of God. You feel like there's this empty space inside. God did not put you here to do this alone. He didn't put you in this world so that you'd live without hope, you'd live without forgiveness, you'd live without peace. He put you on this world so that you can live with Jesus Christ, living and abiding in your life. If that's not you, in a moment we're gonna pray and the presence of God can come inside of your heart. Or maybe you had the presence of Jesus in your life sometime in the past, but you've lost your way and you wanna come back to him. He's knocking on your heart to come back to him. And you want to have his presence come back and live in your heart again. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If that's you, if either one of those situations are you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high. Pastor Ron, would you please pray for me? That's me. Is there anybody here? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand back there. Anybody else say, that's me? You can put your hands down. And let's all pray together. Say, Father God, come on, church family. Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. And I accept what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to fill my life with the Holy Spirit, to lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you liked this message and want to hear more, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Get more info at mylifechangechurch.tv. See you next week.